Hey everyone, welcome to the Americana Station podcast. I am your host, Will Payne Harrison, and I am loving this weather here in Nashville this week. It's in the 80s, uh, 79 and sunny right now, currently, and uh, it's just amazing. I'm, I'm really loving it. It's it's a little uh, preview of what's to come, I guess, it's late September, October. Um, yeah, what's going on in my world? Well, we've got a new host coming in pretty soon, um, and her name is India Ramey. If you haven't heard of India, make sure you check her out. Uh, she just went on tour. She was up in Chicago and uh, I believe maybe Wisconsin, um, but she's been on the road with her band, so she had to miss a couple of the these new episodes, but um, as soon as she gets back down, which should be sometime soon this week or so, we're going to be booking some uh, podcast episodes with her doing the interviews. I'm really excited to introduce you to her as a host, as well as please check out her music, uh, India Ramey. She has a new record, new-ish record called Shallow Graves that came out, uh, I think, maybe a year and a half ago. So make sure you check it out. It's amazing, uh, and she's she's an incredible musician, but uh, also super excited to have her as a host. And um, so that's a big announcement that I'm really excited about. Uh, more big announcements. Uh, so coming up on the podcast, we have well today we have Dominique Pruitt, which we'll talk more about in a minute. Um, we have Corby Linker, who just released a new record and is also writing some. Uh, some feature-length films and and doing some really cool stuff. He's just all around talented, super awesome guy. Um, and coming up on the podcast, uh, I'm pretty excited about this one. I have to be honest, at first I wasn't necessarily that excited, but after talking more in depth with his uh, publicist and, and getting more information about him and actually speaking to him, super excited to have uh, Todd Tillman, the winner of The Voice last year, on the podcast. Um, and I know that seems a little out of place, especially since his background is in gospel music, seems a little out of place for this uh, podcast. But after speaking with him, I can guarantee that it's it's one of the most uh, interesting interviews. He's a super, super cool, down-to-earth guy, um, and uh, he loves country music, and that's what he wants to do. And it was really cool talking to him and seeing what's going on in his life. Um, so we'll talk about that. There's lots of really cool things in that episode. Um, we had a, a episode scheduled with Hannah Juanita. Unfortunately, she got sick, so we're rescheduling that. But uh, some, by some weird coincidence, uh, India, who was also scheduled to interview her, uh, was sick as well. So um, wishing the best for both of them getting better. And uh, as soon as they're both better, we'll do that interview. We got more in the pipeline coming, too, as well. I'm really excited about it, um, but we'll speak about those as they're officially booked and such. So we've got a good two months coming up. We're introducing a new host. Super excited about having her on. Um, can't wait to to introduce you to her here in the next few episodes. Um, and uh, I'm recording a record right now. So I've been, my, my head's down. Uh, I haven't been, been playing too many shows. I, I did play with um, Don Kenny, um, Julie, and John Pinnell. Um, all amazing songwriters, uh, especially in the bluegrass world. John um, has played with Allison Krauss, written for her as well. Um, he's he's gotten Grammy nominations for some of his songwriting. Uh, Don ha- had a number one bluegrass uh, hit on the charts as well. So it was really cool to be the the weakest link in that group. Uh, so we did, we did a little show the other day, and that was super cool. 
All right, uh, it's time for a new segment that I'm going to start. I'm super excited to, to try out, and uh, hopefully uh, India will, will help me out with this in the future. But uh, we're going to do a top five of this episode, um, and I'm going to pick five songs that I think are really great that you need to check out. Uh, so get your pen and paper ready and uh, get ready for some homework. First, we're going to talk about Jesse Daniel. He has a new record out called Beyond the Walls. Uh, the first time I heard Jesse live was at the American Legion Post 82 uh, here in East Nashville. Um, and he was uh, opening up for the Cow Pokes and he brought his Austin band. It was a lot of fun. It was really, it was, I think it was pre-pandemic actually. So his new record, Beyond the Walls, uh, was definitely not out yet. But he has a new single out on this record called Clayton Was a Cowboy, um, which you're hearing over this uh, vocal right now. So, uh, yeah, check out this song and um, make sure that you listen to his new record, Beyond the Walls. Number two, um, we've actually had on the podcast previously, uh, this is Elijah Ocean, and uh, this song is called Honky Tonk Hole. Uh, he has a new record coming out, and uh, I believe the release date is August 12th, and it's going to be at the American Legion Post 82. Um, so make sure that you go follow Elijah Ocean uh, because his new record is killer. I got a, an advanced copy. I was very fortunate. Um, He's very kind to give me an advanced copy. So I've been listening to uh, the CD in my car for the last month um, on repeat. And I, I saw that he has vinyls now. So make sure you pick up a vinyl at the American Legion. on uh, It's Thursday. I believe it's August 12th. Yes, next next uh, next week, August twelfth on Thursday. So check out Elijah Ocean. Next up, we have Hannah Juanita. She has a new record out called Hardliner. Um, she will be on the podcast soon. So make sure you check out her record um, prior to being on the show. So you'll have a little bit more insight about it. But uh, her new, uh, her, my favorite single on uh, the record so far is Green Eyes. So check out that and make sure you check out the whole record. And uh, stay tuned for. Hannah Juanita, she'll be on the podcast soon. Someone we haven't had on the podcast, and I've recently just discovered, I've heard his name uh, quite a bit uh, out in the social sphere, uh, but I was actually tuned into WMOT. Uh, Roots Radio on a, or no, no, I'm sorry. I w- it was actually um, Lightning 100 on a Sunday night. They they have the um, live at live at Third and Lindsley, and John R. Miller was on, and I was like, who the hell is this? This guy's great. Um, so if you haven't heard his new record, Depreciated, make sure you check out John R. Miller, and uh, one of my favorite tracks. I love the finger picking on it is Faustina. So make sure you check out Faustina by John R. Miller on his record depreciated running from the deafening sound of a future finally i had to do it uh she's our new host co-host and um if you haven't heard india ramey yet she has a record called shallow graves and one of my favorite songs on the record is called up to no good um make sure you check out the whole record but up to no good's really a banger so make sure you check that out um, and we'll introduce you to India shortly.
And of course, the song you're hearing right now uh, is by Dominique Pruitt. Um, and this song is called Things Take Time. Um, she was born into a musical legacy. Her father, Larry Brown, once played in the Association and Smothers Brothers before joining Inkelbert Humperdinck in the 80s. And her mother, Anne-Marie Brown, sang with the babies and John Waite as, lo- as well as Inkelbert Ingle- Humperdinck. Say that three times fast. Um, and Dominique, Dominique uh, is charting a path of her own with her new EP, Pray for Rain. So uh, join me as we speak to her today. Hey everyone, welcome to Americana Station. This is Will, and uh, today I've got Dominique Pruitt with me. Did I say your name correct? Dominique Pruitt? Yeah, well, technically it's Dominique if we want to split hairs. My mom is French, so it's Dominique. But Dominique works, that's what most people use. So, you know, either way. (laughs) Awesome. So, uh, it looks like a little background about you. You uh, Your father uh, has been in the music industry for a long time. Um, Larry Yeah, actually. Actually, both my parents, both my dad and mom. My mom's a singer as well. And uh, that's how they met. They were both in Engelbert Humperdinck's band together. Um, But my mom sang with the babies and uh, John Waite. And my dad played, of course, with Engelbert and uh, the Smothers Brothers. And he was in the association at one point as well. So they've both been around the block. That's super awesome. So you had like some really good uh, people to look up to musically to kind of get your start. Yeah, very much. And it was just like the whole, all of their friends were musicians. Like I was immersed in just a life of incredible musicians too. I was like spoiled rotten. Like every birthday party was like a jam of uh, a melting pot of like all of the best people from every like incredible band ever. So I was kind of jaded and spoiled at the same time, but um, yeah, it was cool. And I think maybe I tried to rebel a little as a kid and I, I always loved to sing, but I was, I never was like, I don't know. Maybe I was fighting it and was like, oh, I don't want to do that. I want to do some other performy shit. But yeah. <laughs> it ended up when I was a teenager, I realized my true destiny. It's so funny because uh, growing up, I was like, I will not do country music because, you know, I came from a small rural town mm-hmm. and everyone was like redneck. I'm like, I will not fall into that trope. <laughs> Here I am, so. Yeah. You try to run away from it, but you can't. <laughs> right. You always come back to your roots in some aspect. New and improved, though. So you, uh, you write with your dad sometimes as well. It looks like one of the songs, Even My Roses Are Blue. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the first record we wrote almost entirely together. Um, that record was a long time ago now. That was like in 2013. It was um, an EP I released back then. But yeah, and then Even My Roses Are Blue, we wrote together. Um, I think I was in a very comfortable zone writing with him. So to kind of like shake me out of that comfort zone, I did push myself to write with more people and I had yeah. met more people. And, you know, I don't know. I like that about co-writing is the diversity. And also I'm not writing necessarily with country writers. I'm writing with people who write like K-pop and like dark, <laughs> like goth metal. Like I'm like all over the board, but I kind of think that's cool because it brings a different perspective to people who aren't in that like bias, like exclusively Americana or country frame of mind. And I don't know, I like the fresh perspective. So that's cool. But yeah, I do write with my dad. Um, He's wonderful. And uh, yeah, he's awesome. We wrote Even My Roses Are Blue together. Uh, So have you always been in LA or is this a more recent move for you? I have, I have. I'm like a born and raised Valley girl-ish. We lived in, my dad like was 
like raised in LA. And then my mom moved from Canada when she was 11. So both of my parents had been in LA forever. Um, and they'd never moved elsewhere. And then I was born here. And I mean, I've moved around the city a bit. I lived in Silver Lake for a long time. I lived, lived in the Burbs a little more. And then um, now I'm actually out in Ojai, just about an hour and a half outside of LA. But yeah, Southern California, we're spoiled rotten. So it kind of has my heart. Um, we'll see if I ever depart California. <laughs> so how does that uh, like LA culture affect your songwriting? Cause I know there's like so many amazing songwriters out there, but it's like such a different style of writing, even from like, uh, Nashville, you know, songwriting. Yeah. Um, you know, I honestly haven't co-written with too many of, I'm like trying to think about it, but like besides AJ Hobbs, who I wrote praying for rain, that's the first track on the EP and obviously the title track of the EP. Um, AJ Hobbs is like a super country Americana artist. And um, he's an old friend of mine. I knew him before we were both really like seriously making music, but um, besides him, I haven't written a lot with any of the country people. There's an incredible scene. Um, I'm so lucky to like, be somewhat immersed in the whole Grand Old Echo scene, you know, our little Americana scene in Echo Park. Yeah. But I've mostly written with people who are outside of that realm entirely. Just the people I had met, I had met before I was really in the Grand Old Echo moment were like pop writers and um, yeah. producers from other realms. So I have been writing with other people, which is again, what I think is kind of cool and refreshing is it's people who give like, this maybe more mainstream pop element to my music, but still totally can hone in on what it is I want to make. And that's important to me too, because I would never say I'm a country purist. I love pure country music, but when I write, there's definitely a lot of influences, maybe too many sometimes. Um, But I kind of think that's a cool perspective is that I write with people who are doing like pop and other really random genres. Yeah, well, I mean, anyone who's a country purist is really just a purist of a purist of like a certain era of country music, I feel like. Because yeah. Country's always yeah. borrowed from blues and pop and, you know, rock and of everything, course. you know, so. Yeah. And look what they're calling country nowadays, too. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you know, so there's lots of it. So what was the process like for recording the record? Did you do it while you were locked down? Has it been a while that you've had it ready to go? I have been sitting on it a while, actually. Luckily, we did most of it. All of it was done pre-COVID. So it kind of happened in pieces. We had recorded High in the Valley back in 2018. And um, I was just so excited to release that as a single that I did that. And then immediately after, I was like, wait, I have kind of a handful of songs and I could put out just an EP. Yeah. Um, the goal was to put out a full album, but at the time, financially and just, I guess, in I was being impatient. I was like, you know what? I have a collection of five really good songs. I think I can get these out sooner than I could get out a whole record. So I re-recorded three of the tracks. It was Even My Roses Are Blue, Praying for Rain, and Outsider. We we re-recorded in 2019, early 2019, um, with Joseph Holiday producing... And then I had my band actually play on it. Um, The guys that I've played with live for years, we'd never really recorded together, which was crazy. On my first EP, it was before I met my band. And it was like, I was signed to a label. It was a whole different situation. So I had really incredible studio musicians, but 
Um, this was like a new experience playing with the guys that I'd played live with for years and years. So that was super fun. And, um, then we were finally going to put it out in like, you know, it takes time. So 2020 rolled around, I was going to put, or I had ordered the records at the end of 2019 and it was planning on releasing the record in spring of 2020 when I was set to play stagecoach. And of course we know what happened in 2020 and the rug was pulled out from (laughs) under everyone. So at that point I could have like digitally released it last spring, um, in the height of lockdown, which maybe would have been cool to get people listening, but I really wanted the vinyl to be in hand. Like I wanted something tangible. I'd never made a a physical record before. So I thought that would be really cool to just release it all at once. So I waited and I sat on it for another year and here we are July of 2021 and it's just now out. That's crazy. Yeah. I saw Mercy was asking if anyone knew about, uh, yeah. It's so yes. backed up right now because uh, what, did, what did they say? Like spring of 2022? Oh, yeah. I, I can't even imagine. I knew, I mean, you know, they've been saying that for years since vinyl has become so back in the spotlight of popularity. And it's like, I know when I was looking, they were like, oh, it'll be like a three-month turnaround. It was 11 months for me to get my records. But oh my I God. ordered them, you know, a few months before COVID and then COVID hit. And that was like the full lockdown when people yeah. were not... Like, I don't know what their factory situation was, but the company I worked with was super cool about it, despite it taking 11 months and the records sound incredible. So I'm like, I really can't complain. They did an excellent job. I had no quality issues. So did you I'm not mad. separately for vinyl? You know what? I didn't. Um, they have an excellent guy who's mastering the their records and it sounds, I got some test pressings and I was so impressed. So I just used their in-house person who is actually not technically in-house. I, I I should get this guy's name, but he's in New Jersey. And I guess he's been doing it for like 40 years, cutting the lacquers. So yeah, I was, uh, I was very pleased. That's super awesome. I have, I have some friends that, uh, pressed vinyl, but they didn't, uh, get it mastered. And so the sound was like super low on the record. So you have to like, oh, crank it no. to hear it. <laughs> and then they're like, Oh, well, we've got 300 of these, you know? Oh no. Yeah. That's horrible. Actually. I'm sorry. So that's cutting the lacquers. You asked mastering, but Justin yeah. Weiss, he mastered the record digitally and he did a special mastering just for vinyl. And he's, he is a friend of Joseph holiday, my producer, and he did an excellent job. So I, I was lucky to have both sides covered. And I mean, it's such an investment, you know, like you you say with your friends, it's like, imagine sitting on a pile of records that you're just not happy with the sound on. That would just suck. So I tried yeah. to cover all my bases with that. That's, that's a, definitely sounds like a good idea. So where can yeah. the record be purchased just on your website? Um, um, it's on Bandcamp. We love Bandcamp. Bandcamp, all the things they've been doing for musicians. So if you just Google Dominique Pruitt Bandcamp, or if you're on Bandcamp and you search for Dominique Pruitt, uh, P-R-U-I-T-T. You can find the record on there. Um, and yeah, and everything obviously is linked through pretty much all aspects of my social media. My Instagram, I have a link tree and it has all the links and Facebook, all of the above. You can easily find me probably too easily on the internet. <laughs> yeah. So um, it does say in your bio that uh, the movie Crybaby really shaped the way oh, you yes. think in life. Can you talk a little <laughs> bit about this? Because I don't know about Crybaby. <laughs> Okay. Well, it's time that you watch it. (laughs) No, no judgment. I mean, that's like excite. That's like when you hear of someone who hasn't seen like, you know, a show or movie, it's, I'm so excited for you. You get to experience that. But I remember seeing it on the shelf. I can like picture it now on the mom and pop video store. May they rest in peace. 
in my hometown of Agora Hills. And I was like probably nine years old and I saw it and I was like, oh my God, what's that? And I love Johnny Depp. I had a crush on him from when I was like, you know, real young anyway. But my mom let me watch it, even though it was probably maybe a little risque for like a 10 year old, but I watched it and it's just super fifties. It's set in Baltimore, Maryland in like, I don't know, 55 or 56 maybe. And you know, it's like a total greaser scene, bad boys and Ah. the preps. And it's like, it's really campy. It's John Waters. So it's super duper campy. And there's some really great musical numbers. James Enfeld, um, he does all the singing for Crybaby. So he was the musical performer, you know, behind the scenes in the movie. And the music's incredible. And just the fashion and it's just in the cars. I don't know. And it just, it blew my mind. And so I've always been really into vintage ever since then. 50s. I used to have a 1956 Oldsmobile Rocket. I would like to have one again. (laughs) But um, yeah, musically, I guess in this last record, I've leaned away from that super retro sound. I would say my EP in 2013 had a lot more rockabilly influence. Um, But that'll always be a part of like the fabric of my life. Like I will, I I wouldn't know where I would be today if I hadn't seen that movie. It's just one of those things that just started me on a path of like, really showing me a bunch of things I love in some strange way. And your latest video, uh, or I guess the, well, the least, the latest video I've seen, it's called yeah. uh, high in the Valley, right? Um, yes. Kind of has that vintage vibe. Yeah, for it. sure. I mean, I, again, I, it's like one of those things that I've leaned slightly less away from the retro thing, but it's still such a part of me that there's, that's always going to shine through um, my love of all things, forties, fifties, sixties. Um, so yeah, high in the Valley is definitely heavily influenced by like surf rock, but also a little spaghetti Western. And obviously I love vintage hair, big vintage hair. So that's very prevalent in high in the Valley. (laughs) (laughs) Did you, uh, you said you shot that at your home. Uh, was that just like shot like very low budget or did you like, cause it looks high budget, but. Well, it was, yeah. I mean, I'm like, I don't even know anymore what's considered high budget or low budget. For me as an independent artist, it seemed very high budget. I was really, (laughs) uh, you know, spending the money on that. But I hired Dana Bulos. She's an incredible uh, female, like Los Angeles-based director. She does music videos and fashion. And she's kind of a very, she's an it girl, let's say. But um, she shot the video. um, And I had an almost all-female team. I know Andrew Trong. He was the... He was the actual, he was actually filming it. But besides that, it was an all lady team. I had an incredible stylist, um, Shana Anderson. And yeah, it was just super fun. And we shot it at, that's now my former apartment in Silver Lake, just because it's like location alone is so friggin' expensive. It's crazy. And, and mind you, I grew up in the era of making the video where like people had multi-million dollar budgets. So I have a very skewed vision on what is (laughs) like what I can do. So because of that, we just shot at my house and, uh, it was super cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I say, I always have really over the top grandiose visions of what I would like to do, but I was happy with how it came out for sure. It was cool. Yeah. My first video, uh, on my, I think it was 2017 record. Uh, mm-hmm. I had a friend who had been doing videography for like corporations and he just wanted to like uh, a pet project. Yeah, totally over the top, like just like killed it. Um, That's amazing. And gave me like a really good deal. But then after that, like everything after that is like so 
low budget in comparison. Oh. I've done just because <laughs> I don't have a ton of money to, you know, throw around for videos. But yeah. it's so funny if you if you like look at my YouTube, it's like that first video is like super awesome, and then the quality kind of goes down a little bit. Right. You 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 were spoiled from the get go. You yeah. got you got in on that ground level. Yeah, well, the I video thing is hard. I'm the one thing like I, I like to think I'm pretty good at a lot of the aspects of the music industry. The one thing I'm bad at is like storyboarding. I can't do it. I don't understand. Uh, like, like I'm too on the nose. I'm like, okay, this lyric says this, so we're going to do this. You know, yeah. so I need someone, some sort of producer that's like, no, 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 no. You got to. <laughs> yeah. Space. But that's like, that's kind of the fun part is like, we're, you know, uh, it's like, we all have these circles of people. I'm, I mean, I'm sure most of us have these circles. Most of us as musicians have these circles of creatives around us that just kind of, if they don't dabble in it professionally, they're willing to try it. And you can get so many people in so many aspects that are good at so many things and, you know, styling, hair, DP, um, videographers, you know, all these things that can really, I don't know. I think teamwork makes the dream work, you know, musicians, you don't necessarily have to have the full vision. Some do, some don't, but I think that's, what's cool about calling in your creative friends. So, uh, Dominique, how has touring been for you so far? I know everybody's just kind of slowly opening up and I know I've seen yeah. that uh, California's kind of getting a little bit more restrictions again. Um, yeah. how has that been going for you? Have been, you've been able to play anything live yet or? I haven't. Um, I was always, um, I was always more of like, I don't know. I, I, I was more always playing a little more limited myself. Like I was never touring a ton. Um, so for me, I want to play, but it was almost like in California, we were kind of waiting to see what happened. And suddenly the lid was blown off and shows like, just, it was like overnight shows came back here. Yeah. So, um, I was kind of just waiting to see what happened. And then, you know, two weeks ago, I was hearing more and more shows happening and hearing friends going out. And I was like, oh, well, okay, maybe like fall, early fall, September, I could right. be playing something like that. But now I feel like we're kind of rolling things back. And I don't know, with the uncertainty, I would love to play. Um, but I just, I don't know. I'm not super desperate to get out right now. Obviously, I would love to. Like to yeah. be playing live for a crowd sounds incredible, but I'm not going to. I just don't want to keep planning things and canceling them. I hate that feeling. I hate having to do that to my band totally. and every other aspect. I just, I'm just going to wait until I feel a little more solid whenever the hell that is. But, um, yeah, yeah I'm just going to kind of wait and see what happens. I'm going to let everyone else dip their toes in the water first. <laughs> let them be the canary, you know? Yeah. <laughs> just say it. Once I feel I can plan though, and just won't have to cancel, like canceling sucks. So yeah, I, I just want to, Oh, yeah. So, sorry. I had oh, a no, no. week tour that I had to cancel, uh, <sighs> back in March of 2020. And since then I'm like, I'm just going to know, like, I, yeah. I don't want to, I don't need that disappointment right now. And plus I'm working totally. on record, So like, you know, just give it a break and let other people, <laughs> like you said, yeah. the canary, dip of course. I'm so sorry. What, what timing too, right? It's like, you think when you're playing, that was the thing for me too. It was, I think it was March 11th was like my last day of like normal life around that date. Yeah. And I had a show planned for the next weekend and I hadn't played in a while. So we were like rehearsing. It was getting exciting. The EP was coming out a month later and it was like, Oh wait, this, this is not just that two week lockdown. They initially discussed where they're like, Oh, March 31st, April 1st, we're going to re you know, reassess everything. Ugh, it just was so devastating at the time and just shocking. And we still didn't know what was happening. And yeah, it was a major bummer. Yeah. But yeah. So right now it's like, 
it's such a, um, you know, I see people, you know, full capacity shows and stuff like that. And that's cool. And I've yeah. been going to some shows. I just don't necessarily, you know, after touring for five years, I'm like, you know what? It's fine. One more year won't kill me to be on a break and uh, figure out what's going yeah. on. Yeah. And that's cool. You're recording a record too. That's exciting. I need to get into that right now. I'm like, I need to, now, now that it feels safe to like congregate with smaller groups of people, at least I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe it's time to really focus on that to shift yeah. the focus during this off time of playing and touring. Well, and to just kind of uh, roll into this. So were you like one of those yeah. people that wrote a lot during uh, lockdown because I was and I have like Ugh. almost two albums worth of <laughs> material now. Uh, I envy you. <laughs> that was not me. That was not me at all. Um, I, you know, I wish I could bluff and be like, oh my God, I was so creative. But <laughs> like four I, songs a day for a year. Yeah. Oh my God. No, I'm, like, not me really. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I was going to say that's crazy in any stage of life, but um, no, I wasn't creative. I mean, I definitely think I was like collecting inspiration, which I always am that I guess you can't deny, but no, I was one of the people that was like making bread and drinking like a case of wine every two weeks. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't, I'm fortunate to have my husband as my partner in crime. So like we were just like watching movies and living in sweatpants with our pets and drinking yeah. too much wine and cooking. And obviously that phase only lasted like a couple months until it was like, okay, summertime was like slightly more normal, but no, I didn't get super creative. Um, I do love to co-write. Like I said, I, I maybe have a crutch that I don't love necessarily writing by myself. So I think getting back into co-writing with more of my writers and, and new writers, I'm open to that too. Um, I think that's kind of like what's next on the horizon for me to get out of my COVID slump. Yeah. Do you ever stop by like Nashville to do some co-writing? I mean, I'm trying to, I was supposed to be in Nashville in April of last ah, year. And that yeah. of course, again, didn't happen. And I was trying to maybe link up with writers and I wanted to try to play a show or sit in with someone, but you know, again, it was like the first week of April, I was supposed to be out there and then that didn't happen. Um, and then I was going to maybe come for Americana Fest, but that I was feeling uncertain about too. So no You're plans. In September. Yeah. I was yeah. hoping, I was hoping, but um, I was just feeling maybe a little too reticent. That's a hesitant. lot of money to spend to yeah. not know if it's actually going to be like, if it was like a normal totally. year, hell yeah. But like, uh, you, you don't know what it's going to, it's going to be some sort of hybrid this year. And yeah, yeah it can I, be. I hope it goes well. I hope everyone enjoys it and it's fruitful, but, um, yeah, for me, exactly. It's just so expensive and I'm sure the prices on everything are jacked up because of it. But, um, next year, I hope we're in a better place and I can be there, but yeah, Nashville will be the first place I come co-write. That's for sure. That's awesome. So you said, yeah. uh, you talked about the grand old echo. Do you know, uh, Elijah Ocean? Yeah, I know Elijah. We've played many a show together. Um, awesome. Every year, not the you know the Grand Old Echo here in LA. For those who don't know, is our like Sunday little hoedown. Um, it's last throughout the spring and summer, and there's usually three or four bands that play, and it's kind of a daytime show, which everyone loves because we're not all 19 years old anymore and like to right. stay out till midnight. <laughs> so that's really fun, and it's just like fun. Like you can go at like four o'clock on a Sunday and see like a great band on the patio, or there's bands inside. So yeah, Elijah and I have probably been on several bills together, and um, yeah, it was always fun to play with all those guys. And I, it, I was just so lucky to like fall into that. I guess I didn't know it existed much more than like six or seven years ago, but then I just 
became immersed and forced them all to hang out with me. And I just started showing up every Sunday and there you are. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. He, uh, I interviewed him here on the podcast uh, a couple of months ago and uh, he's nice. recently moved to Nashville. So he's become a new buddy of mine. I saw yeah. him play, uh, downtown with my nephew a couple of weeks ago. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah. I know we've lost some of our, of our greats to Nashville, Jamie Wyatt too. She was yeah. like a uh, pinnacle in the grand old echo scene. She's in Nashville um, Sam outlaw too. He was a kind oh, of a grand old echo guy. Yeah. He's been in Nashville, I think for a couple of years, but oh, I, I had, yeah, I had seen him, I think kind of like a year before he moved or something. We hung one time, but yeah, we, we lost a bunch to Nashville. And at one point my husband and I were going to just up and do it too, but you know, plans change. And I literally was about to move to Nashville maybe four years ago and I had never even been there before, but I was like, you know, why not? But we'll see maybe in the future. Yeah, it's a it's a great town. Um, a lot of Californians are uh, moving out this way. Yeah, understandable. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're on fire. And yeah, yeah, we're on fire. It's you need a million dollars to buy a shack. Yeah, pretty much. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you said you mostly co-write. What is the, what does the process look like for you? Do you like come with an idea that you present, like a you know maybe a chorus and a verse, or do you come completely just like open for the moment? Yeah. Um, it just depends. I, I usually have pretty strong ideas of what I want to come in with. Um, there's only maybe a couple people that I, like I would come in just, I mean, I would say maybe a handful of times I have come in with zero idea, but I usually have like some pretty fully formed concepts in my mind. Um, lyrically, definitely maybe even a sound. I definitely usually come with some inspiration. I'll have a handful of songs that'll be like, okay, I really love the baseline on this and maybe a vibe like this with the guitar and blah, blah, blah. So I can micromanage the hell out of starting the base of the song. And, uh, lyrically, I feel very strongly that, um, I come in with some, hooks and, you know, maybe an opening line, maybe a chorus idea, but, um, I love to collaborate on the melodic aspects of a song. That's, that's, um, not necessarily where I don't think I'm strong, but I just, I don't know. I love to hear what some, where someone else's mind goes with my idea of the first part. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, have you ever done that thing where you cover half a piece of paper and you draw the top half and then you cover that part and let the other person draw the other part without seeing it. No. <laughs> okay. That, that was, a, I, I tried to describe it. It's kind of complicated, but I kind of feel like it's like that where if you come in with this idea and you have such a thing in your mind and someone else, I don't know, they can just bring something kind of fresh and new to it and help mold it into a brand new idea versus it, let it, let it live and kind of grow on its own, you know? So I like co-writing for that reason. Yeah, it's always good to get someone who has like a completely different perspective uh, to yes. kind of take it apart because yeah. Um, yeah, you're going to see it from your perspective and you get a more three-dimensional kind of look at, at something if, if that's what you're looking to do in the song. Yeah. You know, uh, to have yeah. Or you can feel really strongly about something and someone comes in and like, maybe massages it a different way and you're, and you're like resistant to it, but maybe that's the way it needs to be. You know what I mean? Some, sometimes you can't let that go if you're really feeling strongly about something, but every once in a while, I feel like letting go of some of that control can kind of really help a song like live and breathe and be where it needs, like travel where it needs to go. I'm actually kind of the opposite. I've had to grow into the co-writing because I've, I've always okay. looked at it as like my own personal thing. And yeah. 
I don't mind like sharing a song that's like, you know, 80% finished with like a friend that I trust. And they're like, yeah, maybe edit this, this, and this. And you're like, yeah. that's sweet. Um, but most of the time that, that, that's like the, the vibe that I've been doing. I get, I got into yeah. co-writing, but for me, it could be such a, just a hit or miss, especially here in Nashville when oh, um, totally. people are all trying to write some pop country hit, you know? And, yeah. And they want to write with you and you're just like, mm. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, you make a really great point. And like, it's like dating, like it's literally like dating. And totally. if, especially if it's a new co-writer that you're not super comfortable with, or it's, it's your, like, think of it that way. Like you're meeting up with someone you've maybe met over coffee once and you've never written with, and you guys are about to get really, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be personal, but you're exposing parts of yourself no matter what, even if the song's not personal, it's like, it ends up being a personal, emotional thing. And it, it just can be like a really bad blind date. So when it goes well, it can go really well. But I totally agree with you that like, it can be really hit or miss, especially if you whip out one of your like A plus ideas and you waste it on a song you don't like, that's the worst feeling ever. So yeah. I, just that's like, like dating, one of my- You don't, you don't yeah. whip out your A plus on the first date. You gotta, you, gotta <laughs> feel it out. you know, you gotta like- yeah, I, I wrote with uh, someone who's who's doing really well in the pop yeah. world right now. And her manager was a friend of mine, and is a friend of mine, mm -hmm. and was like, I want to set y'all up. I'm like, I just don't think, I listen to her stuff. I'm like, I don't think this is going to work. We yeah. get there and she's like, you know, like I'm thinking about the composition of the song and the lyrics. Mm -hmm. And she's like, what's the hook? What's the hook? And I'm like, I don't write that way. I don't. Like, that's just, and so we both left without even really yeah. writing a song. Like, Ugh. oh, I'll call you. Nope. Oh my God. I know that feeling, that ending the session feeling. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Well, but, but that's, it was, both. It was just yeah. work, you know? Yeah. And it doesn't always, you know, that's, that, I think that's what we have to accept too. When we're co-writing it's not personal. It's just, it's just like dating. It's it sometimes it's not personal. You just don't jive. The chemistry is not there, or it could even be the day. Like there's been times I've totally. written with people and it works really well. And then we meet up, you know, maybe a second or third time. And it's like, Oh God, like this is not jiving. Like maybe it was like lightning in a bottle and it worked really well once, but it's not going to work every single time. Um, but yeah. And that's something you hear so often with people who do write like more pop or more commercially acceptable music is they're constantly just trying to nail the hook when some of us as writers are really trying to write from like an emotional place or we're just trying to evoke a feeling yeah. and they're just kind of almost trying to create a product sometimes. So it, right. that, that can be really hard if you're on different like levels, you know? Yeah. If different you can meet in the middle and wings. get something like with a good hook that also has like a lot of depth and, and that, yeah. that's like a good partnership for sure. But sometimes- totally or a lot of times here in Nashville, it just misses the mark, you know? Oh yeah. I get it. Yeah. That's probably one of my goals is to really start trying to like write by myself. I'm sure it's like a self-sabotage thing that I'm like, you know, telling myself I, I can't do it or whatever, but I, I don't know. I mean, I do also love the collaborative spirit. Like I've said a hundred times already on this interview, totally. but I, I would say for sure it's a goal to like write more, to, to feel more comfortable writing independently, just to see what happens. Who knows? Maybe I am my best co-writer and I haven't known it all these years, you know, but it's fun. I think I'll always do, do some co-writes for sure. Yeah. It's even like, if I get really good writing. A lot. <laughs> yeah. It's scary to like lean only on yourself because then it's like, yeah. okay, if this sucks, it's me. It's only me, you know, totally. no one else to well, blame. 
And it's like, there's no one else to edit it for you or tell you if an right. idea sucks, even if you think it's really good. Cause sometimes we are our own worst enemy in that sense, you know, um, either too self-critical or not critical enough. So I guess that's where the good friend at 80% comes in. Like you said, right. Someone to listen. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Uh, yeah. does, does your mom or uh, your husband, do they write as well? Um, my mom doesn't really write and no, my husband does not write. He's, um, he's super creative, but he has always done like fine art photography. Um, so he's in more of the visual end of things. He's not too into music. He plays a little guitar and a little banjo, but no, he doesn't write except that's not true. He leaned in on one of our sessions once and co-wrote a song that was supposed to be on my first record. Um, it never saw the light of day RIP, but that was fun. Him, me and my dad wrote a song together called drift in. Um, but no, my mom has never really written much. I think maybe she wrote a little bit with my dad back in the day, but she was always just really into singing. Um, she played a little piano as well and just singing was her thing mostly. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, Hey, maybe those are one of your people that can give you that 80%, you know? Oh, totally. And it's like, you know, my parents don't hesitate. They're not harsh at all. And I'm maybe sometimes they're biased and give me too much praise, but at the same time, they are not, my mom of all people is not one to shy away from being like, well, you know, you could do a little of this or a little of that. Like I'm very thankful to have the support team. I do. I'm, I'm kind of spoiled, you know, I see your mother's name is Anne Marie. Um, yes. I have a song called Anne Marie. Oh, <laughs> nice. How do you spell it though? That's the question. Uh, the same way. Uh, just oh, okay. Hyphen. Oh, okay. Yeah, I will tell her. I'll make her listen. We'll listen <laughs> together. <laughs> That's awesome. So, um, what what else is coming up for you next? Um, you said uh, you, you're kind of waiting out for the performance part of it. Do you have any more videos coming out? Um, any more singles? Mm, not at this time. Um, maybe a single. I'm kind of like cooking up some new ideas in the last week even, um, of recording maybe a new single. I always feel like I don't want to just put a single out and then have nothing ready in the pipeline to put out right after. So I'm always a little hesitant, but then again, I'm like, maybe screw it. And I'll just put out a new single soon. Um, but just writing more and I hope recording a new record. And I mean, I know these are all very vague ideas, but (laughs) hopefully playing in the fall, hopefully things get a little better. And, um, yeah, I hope not, waiting another like, you know, seven years to release an EP. That's for damn sure. Um, and definitely I would say, wow, well, that's how long it was between my EPs. I know it's, where does the time go? I don't know, but it won't be that long next time that I swear. And with the single, even, I mean, I hope to release a single in the next like six months to a year for sure. So recording is on the horizon. That's awesome. So, um, we got, what, what is your website? It's dominiquepruitt.com, just my name, D-O-M-I-N-I, there's two I's, Q-U-E. Um, and if you just Google Dominique Pruitt Music, you can probably find all my socials. Um, I also have the Bandcamp, which has everything on it. I got a SoundCloud. I got Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm Tumblr. Pick <laughs> a social media channel. I'm on all of it. Well, Tumblr's like my visual inspiration. I say that's like what the inside of my brain looks like. So that's more of like a photographic journey through my inspiration. I still don't understand TikTok. I, I just, I just don't, I don't get it. Oh, well that's the one social media I don't have. So oh, don't I'm with you. Okay. No, I, I'm with you. Yeah. I, I have friends who like repost funny videos that I like to watch, but I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm not there yet with the TikTok. 
<laughs> Much to the chagrin of uh, Rachel, my publicist. She yeah. really wants us on the TikTok. I'm not there yet. Rachel, uh, my friend Cody, a bunch of people are like, use this hashtag guitar, yep. whatever, solo guitar talk or whatever. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I'll try it. But yeah, I don't know. For me, Twitter and Instagram work great. Um, I yeah. don't really do Facebook too much, but um, you know, I don't know. Yeah. TikTok, maybe we'll figure it out one of these days. Whenever it's yeah. not cool anymore, we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. When the kids are over it, we'll, we'll, we'll jump on it. Well, thanks so much for coming on, uh, Dominique. And uh, really excited about your new record, uh, Praying for Rain. And everyone go take a listen to it. Go buy that uh, vinyl. It's a, Is it a 7-inch or? No, it's a 12-inch. It's 12-inch. Yeah, 12-inch vinyl, baby. Heck yeah. And um, yeah, I hope to see you soon here in Nashville. Awesome. Thank you so much, for sure. That's it for this episode of Americana Station. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, Next on the podcast, we'll have Corby Lanker. um, And then we've also got Todd Tillman and Hannah Juanita coming up. Um, Yeah, and we got lots more down the pipeline uh, in the works. So make sure that you follow us on Apple Music, rate and review. Uh, Share with your friends. Tell them about the Americana Station podcast. And let's get the word out here. Um, and we'll see you next time. Uh, thanks so much. I'm Will Payne Harrison. So long.